Barak Ata Hashem Elohim Melech Ha Olem Shelo Asani Goy. Barak Ata Hashem Elohim Melech Ha Olem Shelo Asani Isha. Barak Ata Hashem Elohim Melech Ha Olem Shelo Asani Bor. Blessed be the name of the Lord God. King of the world, that I am not a Gentile. Blessed be the name of the Lord God, King of the world, that I am not a woman. Blessed be the name of the Lord God, King of the world, that I am not a boor, or modernly interpreted as a child or a slave. These are the prayers of Jewish religious leaders as recorded in their own ancient Jewish texts. These were the prayers that they instructed each other to pray every single day. And the Apostle Paul was one of those Jewish leaders. And we don't know for certain, but the Apostle Paul lived at the time where these prayers were being circulated, being said, and being written down. And so there is a good chance that the Apostle Paul would have prayed these prayers every single day as a Pharisee. Because that's what Pharisees did. They were the leaders of the day. They understood the scriptures. They had their own community of people that were like the perfect religious ones. And so Paul probably did this every single day, that is, until he met the resurrected Jesus. And God transformed his life and sent him on a mission to take the good news of the gospel of what Jesus did for every single person to every single person in the known world. And so Paul got started. And on one particular occasion, he tried to go into Asia. And he really wanted to go to Asia, but the Holy Spirit prevented him from going there. And so then Paul got a vision and got a dream and the dream was this man who was in Macedonia calling to Paul for help, saying, come and help us. And so Paul listened to the vision, listened to God, and he got on the boat and went the complete opposite direction than what he thought he was going to go. And he got on this boat and he sailed to a region called Macedonia, and there he does what he was trying to do, right? He was trying to meet people to share the good news of the gospel with every single person, no matter who they were. And so that's exactly what he does. And we pick up the story in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 13, it says, on the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. And so I thought, didn't you hear, who was it in the dream that was shouting to Paul for help? It was a man. And here we meet that he sees on the riverbank who? A woman. 
some women. And one of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. And she listened to us. The Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. And she and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. And if you agree, then I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. And so the very first person who was a part of this new church plant in the city of Philippi was a woman. They missed it. They missed it. I said the very first person who was a Christian on the continent of Europe was a woman. <laughs> and you're like, why is he making that such a big deal? It's not a big deal. And let me tell you, the only reason that we in our Western culture don't think it's a big deal is because of Jesus. It's the only reason why. Because at this time, women were like a whole different group of people. And if you think again, the Apostle Paul, he was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. Every Pharisee was a man. And that's just what they did, right? In Paul's world, everyone was a man. They all studied the same scriptures. They memorized the same verses. They probably studied those prayers that I opened up with today. They even, uh, in the temple, when, when they were worshiping, the women were just, they weren't allowed to be all the way in the middle of the temple. There was a, literally a wall that separated the women from going into where worship happened. And so all of this happened, right? All of these things, these, the men kind of had their own thing. The men were the, the leaders. The men were the religious people. The men were the Pharisees, and nobody could break into that. And so why was that the case? It, it was probably the case because the women had important roles to do important jobs to do like take care of the kids or or they had to take care of the home and and the busyness of their life of all of those things prevented them from keeping all the commandments from from studying the scriptures all day long you know that like they were too busy doing all these other things and so they kind of had their their own thing in fact the women weren't really learning like school wasn't really for them and like I said, with the religious nature of things, there was literally a wall in the temple that prevented them from going any further. Up until a certain point, the women were finished, and only men could go further. But here, on the side of this riverbank, in this city of Philippi, the Apostle Paul was talking with some women, and he was seeing right before his eyes Women coming into a relationship with God just like any man had. And this was a big deal, a really big deal. And this wasn't just like any woman. This was Lydia. She was, as we read, a merchant of expensive purple cloth. Purple was a hard-colored dye to come across in the first century, it had something to do with the snails in the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea. 
I'm sure they were hard to get. It was hard to make. And so that's what made it really expensive. And Lydia had figured it out. And she could make this stuff. And, and she would sell this expensive cloth for you know, the people that could afford it, for the, the people with good status, the people high up in the, the government, the, the people that had, had money. Right? Lydia was able to do that. And so that meant Lydia herself was probably super rich, right? She was a super rich woman living in this port city of Philippi. All these important people came through. So when you picture Lydia, you might picture her as like Miss Perfect. You know, that lady that has that $3 million home on Malibu. She's like driving a convertible. She gets out of her convertible and she's got a little puppy in her purse. And she's drinking a latte that's like costs more than my house, right? Like that's Lydia. That's this special woman that Paul met. And we read also here that she worshiped God. But she then accepted what Paul was saying. So think about this. This is true. You know this, right? You can worship God in the general sense of the term and still spend eternity separated from the true God forever. Did you know that? Like Paul was showing up to this woman who worshiped God in a general sense because she needed to learn some specifics about that God, of who he was, and specifically what Jesus, that God, did for her and for every single person. And she believed. And what did she do after she believed? She was baptized. Her, not only her, but all of her household, the gospel, the good news spreads throughout her household, her family, the people around her in her life. And some of you, you've believed in Jesus, but you haven't been baptized. And we got to fix that. Like all throughout the scriptures in the book of Acts, really, we see people believing and then baptized, believing and then baptized. We see it playing out again and again, and we would love to celebrate that baptism as a way of publicly declaring your faith in Jesus. That's, that's all it is. But we see that time and time again. And then look, as a person who believes in God, who accepted what Paul was saying, who was baptized, she recognized that she was a part of an uncommon community now, a new community. And so look what she does. She says, come and stay in my home. Come and eat together. Come and spend time with me. And that's what believers do. They invite people into their life. They invite people into their home. They invite people into their space and say, hey, we're, we're together now. We're, we're united now. And that's what Lydia does. She shows hospitality to people. And so the first person saved in the church plant in Philippi was Lydia, a rich woman. Let's see who else we meet a part of this new church plant in Philippi as we continue through Acts chapter 16 here. In verse 16 it says, One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, this is what I envisioned the slave girl's demon-possessed voice to sound like, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. 
she had this spirit, this demon, this thing. In the Greek, it's literally python. In, in Greek, remember they're, they're in Greece, they're, they're in Europe, they're in Greece. They had this thing where they had their, their Greek gods, their Roman gods. They had these oracles that would speak for these gods. And so the people identified that this little slave child, girl, she had this ability to predict the future because there was this spirit, this demon, this thing that was using her. And everyone was like, that's cool. <laughs> I would like that, right? I could, man, I could. But you got to keep reading about this girl and her situation because while on the surface, if you say it like that, it's kind of interesting, I don't think this was anything but that. I mean, this girl, right, she earned a lot of money for her, her masters. Like this little child was being taken advantage of in every way. She was being controlled and manipulated in every way by probably adult, probably men that were using a kid for their own profit. How terrible is that? And what does that do to a kid? I mean, she was probably emotionally unstable. This kid, she was probably abused I mean, in every sense of the word. And we know she was completely controlled. And she was probably this like shell of a girl that just like wasn't even a human, like kind of walking around and following people and just saying whatever, you know, the spirit inside of her was prompting her to say. It's a bad situation. She's, she's just following Paul and the rest of us around, right? And you could just picture this like little kid like shouting, right? And what she was saying was like kind of true, but Paul knew what was going on. He knew there was something else at work here, and so he commands that, that demon to leave and heals her and cares for her, this little girl who was a little slave girl. And so the, the second person who's a part of this new church plant in Philippi, remember Paul just got on a boat, went around meeting people, the first person was a rich woman named Lydia, and the second person a part of this new church plant was a demon-possessed slave girl. It's great. It's a great, it's a great start, right? So what happened next, if you continue reading Acts 16, was that the people who owned this little slave girl and made money off of her, they got really mad that their, listen to this word, their common way of life was interrupted. Imagine that. Somebody comes in and wants to help a kid who's being abused and being taken advantage of, and the powerful people get mad. That's normal. In fact, they had so much power and influence and status that they got the people that were helping the kid arrested and thrown into jail. Paul and Silas are put into prison for helping a kid. And that's, right, that's normal in our world, even today. And it's normal in the first century. And so these crazy people that were put in jail for helping a kid, right? It says around midnight, let me read this from here. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening, and suddenly there was a massive earthquake 
And the prison was shaken to its foundation, and all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and he assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We're all here. And you got to know, like, if he didn't kill himself, the, the people who were in charge of him would have killed him because that was the death penalty for letting prisoners escape. It was his job. He put his life on the line. And so he just said, I better take care of it instead of letting somebody else do it. But Paul and Silas were still there, and the jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at the hour of night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. And so we meet this Gentile jailer, this Roman jailer. He's probably this rough and tough dude, like picture Dog the Bounty Hunter. He's got a muscle shirt on. He's got huge biceps. He's smoking a cigarette. He's holding this huge sword like this is the Gentile jailer, and he ain't Jewish. He's probably never heard anything about God other than maybe the Roman gods that he grew up in in the culture or the worship of Caesar as Lord or God. Like that's the extent of this guy's knowledge and faith in God. But then he meets these crazy prisoners who are singing in jail. Who does that, right? And he's learning about this amazing God and you know, through their songs, and Paul's like telling everybody he can about this good news of this Jesus guy, and this jailer, Dog the Bounty Hunter, is just like listening. And in the moment of most importance in his life, like it was going to be like at the end of it, right, he realizes that these people who were singing cared enough about him to stay so that he wouldn't die. Like Paul and Silas literally saved this man's life by getting not only them, but all of the prisoners to stay in a jail that had no doors on it. And that a level of love, that level of unconditional care for somebody that didn't deserve it in any way, spoke to that jailer's heart and was like, I don't know what's happening, but I want that. I don't know what this means, but I... That's amazing, and I need to know more about that. And so he asked that great question. Well, hey, well, just tell me. What do I need to do? What do I need to do to be saved? Like, just tell me. I'm ready. I'm ready. And so he, he believes. And what does he do after he believes? He's baptized. But I love this also, this note, right? This jailer who was responsible for the care of the prisoners, which I'm sure their care was not good care, <laughs> just like make sure you stay chained to the wall, he cares for their wounds. He, he cares for them personally, like something has definitely changed in this rough and tough guy's life. He cared for them. 
And they were baptized, and not just baptized, but also the entire household was baptized. Again, the gospel spread throughout the connections that these people had, and they ate together. Where? In his house. <laughs> right? This is a theme. This is a theme of people who believe in Jesus, who are a part now of this uncommon community. There's community where why is a jailer having his prisoners over for dinner? weird but there's something new something different happening here and so we get to add a third member to this church plant in philippi right paul gets on a boat he heads in the opposite direction he goes to europe and he meets some people and he meets the first a rich woman named lydia then he meets this demon-possessed slave girl and then now it's the gentile jailer tough guy so again, just picture, you got Yuppity, Miss Perfect, Malibu, Corvette, Convertible. You got Dog the Bounty Hunter, shirtless, muscle man, cigarette smoking guy, and a demon-possessed girl twitching out in the corner, circling the room. And the question of the day is simply this. Would you go to that small group? Right, we can be honest in church, right? Like, no. You ain't going to that small group. You are not going. But this is the uncommon community that God puts together. It's strange. It's weird. It's not normal. Like, there is no reason on planet Earth these people should be in the same room together, ever. And here they are. And that is the church. It's a beacon of light that shines into the community, and the community wonders, what in the world is going on? Because, Lydia, you got it all going on, girl. You got everything you ever wanted in the world. You got all the money, you got all the fame, you know all the right people. What are you doing hanging out with muscle man, jailer guy? And, and this, you let a kid just follow you around, this like little kid just following you around. What are you doing? That kid can't do anything. That kid is a waste of resources. All they do is consume resources. They don't produce anything. Like, what are you doing? And the jailer, man... Tough guy, man, tough guy, tough guy, dog, the bounty hunter. Lydia ain't letting you into her house for a party. No way. There is no way. So the question is, what, what brings you all together? Why, why are you here? What, what happened? And see, when a group of people like this care for each other, and commit to gather together regularly, the only explanation is Jesus. It's the only reason. Because this group of random people oozes the beautiful nature of the gospel where it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter how much money you have, 
It doesn't matter the status you have in society. It doesn't matter what part of town you live in. It doesn't matter the choices you've made. It doesn't matter how spiritual you kind of are. It doesn't matter even what you believe about God in the general sense of the term. It doesn't matter any of those things. There's only one thing that brings such a random, ragtag, strange group of people together. And it's a God who loved them so much that he came to this earth and lived a perfect life, where he died on the cross to pay the penalty for their sin, where he was buried and he rose again to give anyone, and this includes you and every other person, the opportunity to believe in him, to have your sin forgiven, to have eternal life, a right relationship with God forever because of what Jesus has done for you. That's the only reason and this, my friends, is Connect Us Church. And we must continue to embrace this uncommon community. Because this is the community that Jesus is creating. And we must push back against the desire to be normal. Because normal people don't gather in this small group. Normal people don't associate in groups like this. They don't do it. They come up with reasons to avoid groups like this at all costs. Reasons like, oh man, their house is just too far away. I mean, Lydia's house on the beach, like, whew, it's a beautiful house. I love going there, but you know, it just takes forever to get there the traffic oh the traffic is so bad and you know that, that guy you know i like the guy but that dog the bounty hunter muscle man guy like he has a weird kind of voice he's a little he's been through some things you know and like when we have bible study discussions like we're supposed to have a conversation and i don't really understand when he talks so like it's kind of a waste of my time when he talks because i just don't understand his his voice and plus like this rough tough guy he hangs around prisoners 24 7 and like that's all he talks about like this and that and like, i don't understand anything about prisoners i don't have anything going on about prisoners and and the demon possessed slave kid come on don't get me started about the that kid right like the kids can just go outside right right they're annoying they, they, you know, we're trying to have an adult conversation in this room, and the kids are like running around, interrupting everything that's going on, right? I can't handle the kids. Normal people find every reason to avoid a group like this. But people who love Jesus and who desire to follow him embrace groups like this and fight for it every single day. It's so easy to be common. It's so easy to pray the prayers like the religious leaders of the day that Paul might have prayed, right? It's so easy to pray those prayers. I thank God I'm not a Gentile. I thank God I'm not a woman. I thank God I'm not a child or a slave. I thank God that I'm a, you know, you fill in the blank, right? I thank God that I'm not a part of that family. I thank God that I didn't grow up in that part of town. I thank God that I don't struggle with that kind of sin. I thank God that I don't deal with that. I thank God I don't work in that line of work. I thank God that, right? 
just it's so easy to think that way and say that way, but God shows us, like he showed Paul, that you can pray those prayers all day long, but those people, listen to me carefully, those people that you don't want to be like, that you thank God that you aren't like, are the very people that God loves. And who is calling you, that God is calling you to reach them with the good news of the gospel and form a community with them. The first three people who were saved in this church plant in Philippi were literally who? A rich woman, a Gentile, and a slave girl. The very three kinds of people that the religious leaders thanked God that they were not. This is what God does. I say, let's embrace it. Let's fight for it and see God do incredible things, not just in the lives of the people around us, but in our own hearts and lives as well. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would transform our hearts today. Help us know your grace and love for all people. Help us to embrace the uncommon community that you are building right here in Connect Us Church. I pray we would learn to love the fact that very few of us are the same. As we look around this place, the, the different life stages, the different marriage statuses, the different job titles, the different, the list goes on and on and on. There are so many differences. But that is why we're together. Because it shines a huge spotlight to our community saying, God is at work here. Jesus is the center of this place. And there is only one explanation. It's Jesus. It has to be Jesus.